Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Carrie. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be back in the Sandbox. Uh, just the two of us today because Dave is still on sabbatical. He's... Sometimes I wonder if he's ever going to come back. I know. I kind of <laughs> forgot what he looks like. I'm wondering if I'm going to recognize him when he walks back in the door. <laughs> oh, no. It's uh, He's actually back in a couple weeks and we are so excited to hear more about his adventures and all of that he's learned when, uh, when he gets back. Um, we're actually planning for later this fall, we're going to have an episode where we kind of like debrief with Dave a little bit of the things that, uh, that he discovered. So we can't wait and we're excited to share that with you when it comes around too. Yeah. So we're really excited to get to that. But for today's episode, We'll hear from two women who represented the Women and Justice Social Statement at the National Youth Gathering in Houston, Texas from this past summer. Um, Dave and Chris got a chance to sit down with them and learn a lot about the process of creating a social statement and why this one is especially important. Yeah, so as you'll hear in this episode in the ELCA, that's the Lutheran Church Organization that hosted the gathering that we went to, um, a social statement is a document that explains how Lutherans live out their understandings of God in relationships with one another. And while these particulars are very Lutheran and ELCA-centric, the process and the topic are much more broad. How are we addressing patriarchy and the role of women in all of our social concerns? And no matter our religious backgrounds, how can we discuss this with people around us who may agree or disagree? So let's join Chris and Dave in their conversation with Lori and Bethany, whose voice you will hear first. Welcome to Sandbox, episode 87, Weaving Voices Together. Welcome to the Sandbox. So we are here live at the gathering with uh, representatives from the Women and Justice Social Statement. We have Lori and Bethany, and welcome to the Sandbox. Thanks Thanks for for having us. us. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Let's start off with just some introductions to each of you individually and and kind of how you're connected with this project. Um, I am a lay person. I, I just, you know, I go to church. I'm a Lutheran. Um, and I became uh, interested in this project uh, because of the way that uh, I came to the Lutheran Church, which was through the social statements. Okay. Mm. Um, you know, whenever I was looking for a church, I went to the website uh, for the ELCA and I read the social statements and uh, I really connected with them and decided that that's where I needed to be uh, in my church home. So I was very passionate about the social statements and took this opportunity when it came up to participate. Awesome. It's been great. I am the director for faith formation in the upstate New York Synod, and I'm also a fiber artist and spiritual director. So weaving things together is something I'm passionate about. And the social statements from my perspective are all about how do we use language that weaves together who we are as Lutheran Christians around different issues that we face every day. So you both reference social statements. What is a social statement? I like to define the social statement in comparison to if you were to say, what what do Lutherans believe? You know, if if you were to look at what Lutherans believe theologically, you're going to look at the Bible and the confessions and the uh, other historical documents and things, documents of faith. The social statements are how we live what we believe. Hmm. You know, how do we take that theology and apply it to our interactions with people? and our in relationships and that's kind of how I see the social statements we hang words we hang words on stuff that matters and that's mm-hmm. this this particular statement about women and justice is taking us a really long time because there are a lot of things that matter that mm-hmm. we as a church have not said um, publicly in a way that's helpful for people to really understand how do we engage 
And there are a lot of things that are changing um, as far as justice and, and women. I mean, every day there's something new that comes yeah. up. And, you know, we're sitting here in a gathering of 31,000 young people who are asking questions, you know, of the Lutheran Church. You know, well, gosh, you know, Pastor, what, what does our church say about transgender kids? You mm-hmm. know, how do we feel about that? And while our social statement is dealing more specifically with women, we definitely acknowledge in the social statement that trans girls are girls too. So there's a lot in there that answers the questions that these kids today are asking. So maybe at the at the heart of it, uh, how would you define what the what the social statement, the women's social statement, is about, and um, where do you see it going? The heart of it is we we started with scripture. Where do we go? And our guiding scripture from the start, and it's a diverse group. We have folks that are professors at universities. We have some pastors, um, all different ages, and we came to this sense of one in Christ. What does that look like to be one in Christ? And, and to be fully you, fully human, fully known and loved and accepted in the world. Mm-hmm. It goes with gender pay gap. It goes with what happens when you've been violated in your body. And, and how do we as a church stand together and say we are one when we face certain issues? Yeah. And we even look at, at boys and men and how patriarchy has negatively affected mm-hmm. the expectations that our society has on you guys. It's about empowering folks to, to tell a truth and to know that it's, it's, um, it needs to be out there. Mm-hmm. You've interacted, and this I didn't realize how much you've interacted with others in the process of, oh, of yes. sharing the statement. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the process of making it, I would assume so, but in the process now of sharing it, I'm wondering over how many years has it been since it began about six years ago yeah Yeah, it started about six years ago yeah we've been interacting with people since almost the get-go you know we got together as a group and we kind of initially just came up with some ideas of areas that we wanted to focus on Mm -hmm. and then we started having listening posts where we as task force members would just meet with groups of people be it in a church or be it at a senate assembly or in a coffee shop wherever and we just talk to people we're like hey this is kind of what we're thinking is important what do you think is important and we gathered all of their ideas and brought them into the conversation and then we took all that back to chicago and we discussed it all and researched and learned and then we created a study which was a book that could be used as like a six-week Bible study in your church, or you could do it independently. And um, then those people gave us feedback on the study. Several hundred were completed, which meant several thousand respondees' voices were heard from that alone. And then after that, now we've uh, released the draft social statement, and we're having hearings. So, you know, everybody has the opportunity to read the draft social statement, Mm -hmm. respond to that, and we can make final edits before we actually release the final social statement. So there's been ample opportunities for people to communicate, and there still is a chance for people to communicate and tell us what they think. Yeah. So it's a, it's been a super intentional process, and what I'm wondering is in this in these years since you've been doing it, what have you learned? We've learned. I've learned a lot. Uh, I've learned that issues of women and justice stretch everywhere. I don't. There are so many intersections that uh, affect women um, that are involved in this mission. I mean, everything from immigration. You know, if you have immigrants, the female immigrants are the ones that are carrying the largest burden. You know, if you have, um, you know, you look at wage disparity, you know, 
differences. You're going to have women who are making less than men. Then you're going to have black women who are making less than white women. And then you're going to have, you know, gay women who are making less than straight women. And it just goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, any social justice issue, if you take the woman in that equation, she's getting the worst of it. Yeah. And it's just, it's really uh, scary and also amazing to look at, you know the changes that we're capable of making with with this stuff in this church i've learned that it, it at the at the core is this yearning to tell the truth and to we when we saw something that a pattern that kept coming up we said okay stop we need to take this to um the next body in our church and and that's the other thing you learn that the elca you know you can blame stuff on the church but it's the people it's like this we this the, you know any any time people get together it's about relationship and that's the other core so mm -hmm. so if you're telling the truth and you're in relationship with one another you're gonna have something that makes a difference and matters and that's my passion right now is we need to all step up and say something about this because when I go to the table every meeting I sit in the plane on my way from New York to Chicago where we meet and I think who am I gonna bring to the table now Mm. Who, who did I meet that I'm bringing to the table now? And, and a lot of times it's little girls that are in my life who I want to say, I want to be able to say to my goddaughter, um, I was part of the beginning of this. Now you need to keep helping me figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, the 80-year-old woman who couldn't be ordained because of rules in our very own church. I'm bringing her to the table. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of it is, is truth telling and relationship I feel like maybe you, you've touched on this in different ways but what made you want to be a part of this work and maybe this particular statement like I mentioned before I, I was in a time where I was um, it was right after Hurricane Katrina and my church uh, it was an Episcopal church that's where we had been attending with my family had been destroyed in Katrina like completely leveled and the place that we were able to worship um, was about 45 minutes away from my house. And that just became, you know, just kind of inconvenient uh, to have a, a good church life with your church being so far away. Yeah. So we were trying to seek out a church closer to home. And um, I had never been to the Lutheran church. I had no idea what they believed. Um, I learned about Martin Luther in history class, and that was the extent of it. Sure. Um, so I went to their, the ELCA's website um, because, you know, I'm a gay woman and I've got a wife and children and I didn't want to show up at church one day with my family and I didn't know what we would face. So that's why I went. And um, I, at the time, the human sexuality statement was in process. So I was at least able to read, I don't know if it was the draft or the study, but there was something already put together that I could read on that. And then I read about abortion and I read about, you know, race and I read about, um, you know, some of the other issues that we had social statements on and I just kind of went down the wormhole and <laughs> I read all of the social statements. You went down the Lutheran wormhole. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I went down the Lutheran wormhole and I was just amazed yeah. of all, I mean, what this church believed and yeah. put in writing. You know, I was raised Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. you know, and to just read those things just made me feel so validated as a person of God and um, I just I I wanted to just 
not only did I want to join that church, well, I just... We don't have to believe it. That's the cool thing, right. too, about being Lutherans, is that this is a statement. It's what our church is putting out there. But no one's saying, if you don't believe this, walk away now. Right. It's, a, it's right. a conversation. When I was in high school, we had Mrs. But it's an Morris. option. She was my, <laughs> she was my high school... Um, I loved her. She, she taught um, Sunday school. And we actually had a high school Sunday school, so you know we loved her because we showed up. <laughs> and she got tired of... She got tired of teaching all this stuff, so she's, she dug out these social statements, and we went through each of them, and I never heard the word abortion spoken in church. I never heard us talk about this stuff. So we sat in this little tiny Sunday school room, and we just talked and talked. And, mm -hmm. you know, that to me, again, it goes back to if people can't pick this up and read it, it all of our work, and we have worked darn hard, not very say, hard, <laughs> really hard around this table. We've argued. We've, we have. We've, We've disagreed, but we come back to that one in Christ. We're going to sit here until we're done. Mm -hmm. And it's not one, you will not find one person's name on this document. No. In every form that we've done of this process, all of our names are on it. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. can you imagine how hard that is? You write a book with <laughs> and, you know, 20 of your friends, kind of, that you never knew before. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, that live all across the country and the and, globe. So. And, I, and I think one of the important things to lift up, uh, especially especially with our kind of our culture right now, is like, I imagine that not all of you agreed on everything. No, no. of course not. <laughs> we did, Wait, we what? Very, we've but very again, loudly and uh, lovingly disagreed. But we give each other permission to tell the truth, and we know it's a sacred trust that we've built that we're going to sit and figure it out. Yeah. And not until yeah. we agree or come to something lukewarm, mm -hmm. but, in, you know, Justice is in women. This is not about us convincing you that there are issues. It's it's happening. It's real. And we're called, you know, I, I recently was thinking a lot about scripture of my favorites and like repairing things like repairs of the breach. How do we how do we repair without acknowledging, you know, that there's been some destruction and so yeah. that's another piece of this it's a confessional document we're confessing that we as the church have got it wrong a lot of times and that's was a breaking point for mm -hmm. us i think was how do we do that yeah. how do we how do we live our, our structure if you've ever worshiped in a lutheran church we confess we 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 like to say all the bad things we've done and and um <laughs> we do that here and that's yeah. the other thing yeah. You got to be secure in yourself to read this document. I've had, I've, I've, I've spoken with uh, with pastors who read the first page and say, "Whoa, that's a lot." Because we call out patriarchy, sexism. Yeah. We call it out. Page we call one. it out as a sin. We call patriarchy a sin. This isn't, you know, it's so it's, so it's a real. It's and just real that thing. in itself is profound yeah. to yeah. a lot of people. Absolutely. To say patriarchy is a sin, wow. And and that part where it, it you when I read things and I go, ouch, oh, yeah. that's the part to pay attention to. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Rather than saying, blowing it off. No, yeah. no, no. What is it? What, why did I go ouch to that? And what's right. sitting there? Yep. Because it's, uh, frequently that's the blind spot. That's the part that uh, calls out privilege. It calls out all different kinds of uh, things that I don't even know that I know. Yeah. 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 I had my own ouch moments in the process of it. Because sure. like I said, you don't realize how intertwined it is into every other issue you know we yeah. have a speaker on immigration and you know maybe the very first time we had one my first thought might have been what does this have to do with what we're doing here but then once they start talking and you hear the stories of these women and what these women have been through and what these women are still going through every day you're like wow this is huge 
And I, and so I, I guess I want to point out, we're not trying to fix anything for anybody. Right. We're just in partner with, I think that's mm-hmm. another thing. We, that's a, a we know, we're, we're careful about our privilege and that's not what we're about either. So, right. So, yeah. yeah and, present. and I would, I would ask, so not, certainly not in the sense of like trying to fix it, but I think that one of the things that does fix it, one of the things that does help repair is by acknowledging. Um, and, and that's, I think, the very first part of this process. So what I would what I would wonder then is, what do you hope people do with this statement when it's finished? How do you hope people might engage with this statement and and down the road and through that process maybe bring some change? My hope is that we now in this age of social media, I think it's interesting that we have an opportunity to engage the document on levels that perhaps before we we couldn't. I would hope that we take parts of it, that we develop curriculum, that we 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 put language, we put. I, my personal passion project is I want to write a, um, a children's edition and a, and a, and a wow. you know. So once it's a- adopted by the whole church in assembly next year, which I hope it's adopted next year. I guess I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself. Right. You know, it's, it's ours. I want to put it in, in language. And I, I have some, uh, I have a partner I'm working with a little bit just for fun, just to get it out there. Yeah. Um, because I, I went to the United Nations a few years ago for the Commission on the Study of Women, and, and it's amazing. And what I heard over and over again is, if we're not engaging young girls between the ages of 9 and 12, we will continue the cycle of violence that happens in the world. And I took that mm. deep into my soul, because I think it's so true. If you've ever listened, like a fly on the wall, I had the opportunity to do that. There were young girls that were waiting for the bus and listening to their conversations, I just was stunned by the truth of what I already knew about that nine to 12 year old range. And so my passion is that we get it out there in language that matters. But I also know that in a congregation I served, someone used it when they were going to be called for jury duty because they ask you questions about what you believe. And if you don't know what you believe about women and justice and you're starting at square one, this could be, so it's, it's a wide range. Yeah. Um, the social statements also do a lot behind the scenes. You know, I mean, aside, you know, like she said, once it's adopted, there can be resolutions within the church, you know, where we can make official rules or, or guidelines for different things, maybe about clergy pay, maybe about equal sure. pay for women within the ELCA. That could be something or uh, liturgy changes. You know, you never know what could come, what the people, once the people adopt this and they read this and, you know, the people at the assemblies look and they're like, okay, so here's this. Now, what do we need to apply from it? You don't know what's going to come out of that. But you immediately, as a social statement, it affects the finances of the church and the things that the church supports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so we know that you know, the monies of the ELCA will be directed in causes that are in tandem with the social statement. And you know, that just by itself is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, you said about what brings me this work too. For me, I had a teacher once and she said her understanding of theology was thinking about what God thinks about when God wakes up in the morning. Now, maybe you don't think God sleeps, <laughs> but, but if God thinks about, and, mm. and what her, her thing, her answer was creation. So what God thinks about is creation, and we're partners in creation, so what does that look like? Mm-hmm. How do we partner? And it's in little things, and it's in big ways. I think, for me, this is my both, because it's a, it's a big commitment. We started in 2012. We've had 
stuff go on in our lives. We got to know each other intimately. And the world has changed since 2012 for many, many reasons. And so this work becomes even more essential. So what do we think about it means to be a partner? And neighbor justice is our, like, we, we came up with that term and it seems to really fit. What else should we know uh, about your work? I would like to ask your audience to just take the time to read it. I mean, that may sound really simple, but a lot of Lutherans don't even know that we have social statements. So, you know, I'll just steal a bit of your time here to tell your audience, go check out our social statements. (laughs) And in particular, check out the one about justice and women. Um, We read every comment. We do. Everything that you say about it. Maybe not personally, but we take turns. Yeah, yeah, we, we read it and we take it to life and it, you know, whenever we have a final product, you might be able to see your own words in it. Um, I know there was a lady at my church that gave me some very specific feedback about one tiny little section, and I brought that feedback with me to a meeting uh, years ago, and that her feedback is still in the final draft or is in the draft of the social statement. And, you know, any one of you in the audience can have that same experience. If something really moves you, tell us, and it may or may not end up in there, but you, you know, at, at least have the opportunity to share your yeah. thoughts and feelings yeah. with us. One of my favorite Bible verses is, uh, it's, it talks about Habakkuk, it's, it's Habakkuk, no one reads that, but he talks about writing a vision, <laughs> making it plain, Poor Habakkuk. so that a runner can read it, and I, that's my desire, so help us so that people that are running through life, trying to latch on to how to figure out how to live the next day, so that they can read it and have a, a, a grab on, um, yeah. that's my passion. I just want to say, as a dad of two girls, Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you're giving, the gift you're giving, not just them, but me and all of us is, yeah. is a broader national, international community. Uh, your work is, is, is crucial. So one thing that Lori said in our conversation really struck me. She said that at the heart of this particular statement is that we are all one in Christ. And that looks like asking some questions. What does it mean for each person to be fully themselves, fully human, fully known and loved and accepted in the world? And what might it mean for us to shift the way we interact with the world so that those things can be even more true for the people around us? In the context of our conversation with Lori and Bethany, this means digging into the real challenge of patriarchy, of broadening our understanding of sexuality and gender identity, and having tough conversations around the inequities that women face and the ways that all of these things intersect with other issues of justice. These can seem like daunting, impossible tasks. But as Lori said about crafting this document, they are working to weave together the voices of everyone they meet with, to bring the voices of people they meet to the table, and, in some ways, represent the whole community through a document that will help move us forward. Maybe we can take that as an example for ourselves. Most of us won't be writing any church documents anytime soon, but we do have our own communities, our neighborhoods, where we work, and our families. How might we use our voice and bring it to the table to remind ourselves and each other how to be community? And how might we learn from the process that Lori and Bethany have shared to break down the things that keep us from being fully human, fully ourselves, and fully known, loved, and accepted? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. And special thanks to Lori and Bethany for taking some time to connect with us. If you want to stay up to date with all the things going on in the Sandbox, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and join us in the conversation. 
And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the sandbox. But until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.